It is the Dave Nemo Show. Jimmy Mack here with you on Freaky Feisty Friday. Um, anybody who experienced 2018 in the trucking industry knows that it was a remarkable year. I use that word remarkable in its most neutral sense. There were extraordinary highs and extraordinary lows. Uh, new regulations, regulations going away. There was booms and busts. There were shortages, a whole bunch of stuff. And we have a guest today who actually can tell you what it was all about uh, from the front lines, having seen it up close and personal. Um, I actually have one of your shirts, by the way. Uh, Tim Ashoff, by the way, joins us. He's the president and COO of Cree Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Great to be on the show with you. Yeah, I was actually, I, I was working out yesterday. I, I got one of y'all shirts uh, when I was at uh, the last trucking show I attended. I got one of your shirts and somebody walked over and said, for Crete, I explained to them what I do, and they said, yeah, I actually have a really good experience with them. And uh, it's just kind of ironic that I was going to have you on the show today uh, with, uh, with, with Crete in my mind. Uh, good morning. Welcome to you. So 2018 was, and I don't say this about every single year, but it really was kind of a, a, a wild year in trucking, wasn't it? It was, as you mentioned, we, we saw a lot of highs and we saw um, you know some challenges throughout the year. Um, you know, overall, I think it was one of the better years in trucking. Though it was just one that you had to kind of go up and down with. Um, you know, obviously started out with the ELD mandate coming in and us wondering as well as others what that would do to the overall industry. Um, you know, I think as we look back, um, it actually has been helpful. Um, I mean, I think it, uh, coming into it, uh, particularly those companies and drivers who didn't have it didn't know what to expect. But with pretty strong demand out there for capacity, I think it really actually helped um, in that we it helped us gain some more efficiencies where shippers and receivers had to make some changes now to match what the uh, hours of services hours of service really are, and really make that life better for the driver then because uh, you know the freight flows better match their hours. You know, and I was actually, I'll be, before we dig into some other questions that I've got here for you, that's really kind of the, if, if there is a benefit to the ELDs, it, it really is in regards to kind of putting pressure on those who kind of ship and those who actually take in to really kind of reduce the, uh, the amount of time drivers uh, spend at docks uh, if they don't have to be there, right? I mean, the idea is that they now have to adjust to the realities of the time frames that many of these men and women who are driving on the road have to deal with, correct? Absolutely, and and because uh, the economy was doing so well, and and shippers needed and drivers needed us out there, uh, they were much more willing, maybe than any other time period, to adjust. And so we had a lot of great conversations with our shippers, and made a lot of a great progress. And of course, you know, I think indirectly, the other benefit coming out out of ELDs is we did see a lot of pay raises uh, across the whole industry for drivers. You know, we we increased our over the road pay by seventeen percent. I know others did you know, something similar or something close to that, and many different ways. Uh, and at the same time, we were actually able to improve our miles, too, because of working with you know, shippers and receivers and getting more flexible freight, et cetera. So um, while there were those ups and downs, as you mentioned, those highs and lows in any year, I think on the whole, it was a really good year uh, for the drivers and, and the old industry in taking a step forward in, in making that driver life, driver's life better out on the road. One of the things I wanted to ask you, because you are a, uh, a man who has to deal with this on a regular basis and it causes you as much frustration as it does any, any particular driver out there, or that, at that time spent waiting, how, how does the industry kind of uh, make those who are on both the receiving and the shipping and understand that they've got to pick up the pace to get these people back on the road and doing the job that they're paid to do? I mean, are there strategies in place and have you found it easier to kind of I, I hate to use the word pressure, but to actually have a, a decent negotiation about you can't keep our guys there this long. 
Yeah, you know, we've focused on that for a long, long time. Being the size we are, we have a lot of information and data on that. We know exactly how long it takes on average for us to uh, pick up at any given shipper and, and deliver to any given receiver. So we've long been talking to our shippers and receivers about that, uh, what we'll call wasted time. You know, our drivers have 660 minutes a day uh, to make money, and, and so they need to be using every one of those minutes to the greatest extent possible. So what we saw this year with the with the hours of service, uh, with the e-log changes, uh, and it wasn't uh, just us coming to the shippers and the receivers. So we made a lot better traction on, on two things. Our first thing is let's just try to eliminate the waste of time as much as possible. So how can we convert to your pickups and deliveries being drop and hook? That's the that's the number one thing we try to do. Uh, and if not drop and hook, how do we ensure that um, when our driver is arriving, you can uh, get that freight off or on quickly? And then finally, you know, as a last resort, while we don't like it, if, if a driver is waiting, um, we need to get paid more for that so we can pay the driver more for that, um, pay for that time that that's going away. So uh, fortunately, we had success in all three of those buckets uh, this year, and I think as a whole, the industry did as well. So while um, the last thing we really want, and I think the last thing a driver really wants to be doing is sitting, um, if they are, at least I think they're seeing a little bit, uh, the shippers and receivers now better understanding, hey, we have to pay for that because... Uh, they're, they're, that's their time gone to make money. Absolutely. Okay. So now it's so here we are in 2019, like I said, after what was a, and like I said, I use that word in a neutral sense, but it really was a remarkable year. There are people who, if they really, really wanted to work, there was work to be had. So we're now moving into 2019. What what do you think the prospects are? I mean, you know, we, uh, good, good times don't last forever, neither do bad times. Um, 2018 was a really, really good time for anybody who was out there really hustling. What do you see the trends in regards to um, work in regards to the, uh, the new year? I mean, will the demand for shipping slow down or will it maintain its current pace? You know, I think what we're seeing is is that it's still going to be a strong year, but I'll call it a much more normal year. We may see the normal cycles in shipping that go throughout the year. You know, for example, we're in January, um, and typically, as you know, right after that holiday peak season, it's a little bit slower in January. Um, so I think that's what what the market will see. We'll see more normal cycles. But you know, I'm going out and, and visiting with a lot of our customers. I was out this week uh, visiting customers, and you know, while we hear kind of the ups and downs. The economy, the stock market goes up, you know, fundamentally what we're hearing from our customers is that demand is still really strong. You know, the consumer feels good. Um, There's, you know, low unemployment, um, still really fairly low interest rates. And so they are still seeing strong demand. Now, like you said, it's probably not going to be the crazy ups and downs that we saw in 2018 and really starting at the beginning of 2017, but I'll call it a more normalized cycle. Uh, But still, we feel really good about um, the the amount of loads that will be out there and 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 really keeping our drivers really busy. One of the great things about uh, trucking and working in the industry, uh, no matter where you sit in it, is that you get a much better view of the economy than just the stock market. You know, a lot of people, they, they view the stock market as kind of the only bellwether of the economy, and, and many people are not used to We've actually had economies in this country. We've had cycles in this country where the stock market has been volatile or down, but the overall strength of the economy in general actually is a strong thing. So, you know, I know that I would tell people that I know you would as well, that don't always just kind of, you know, put your eye on the stock market and think that dictates the terms at which the economy is moving and what direction it's going. So it's important to kind of remember that as we head into this year. All right. So in regards to costs, 
one thing that I have noticed, a lot of people have noticed, has been the, uh, the the dramatic drop in diesel prices over the last several weeks. And that seems to be kind of in line as if those prices are catching up with the drop in gasoline prices as well. Um, how is that impacting not only the trucking industry, which you know so well, but the overall economy? Well, I think uh, on whole, it, it is a positive uh, to the overall economy. Certainly, you know, the lower gasoline prices for the consumers is, you know, essentially almost like a lower tax for them. And when you can go to the pump and, and fill up your car and it costs $10 less than it did a year ago, that's $10 there to spend on something else. And, you know, a big core of our economy, as you were talking about before, is still driven by that consumer spending. So when the consumer has more money in the pocket to spend on other things, I, th- I think that's really good overall. But then, you know, thinking of from the shipping world, um, it's also a lower cost for um, our customers and essentially any independent, you know, contractor owner operator out there as well as, as us as a company. So um, that lowered cost allows money to be spent in other ways. You know, certainly, I, as I mentioned and you've mentioned before, a good indicator about how the economy goes is what are our shippers doing and, and having more uh, available funds uh, from the uh, transportation cost piece of the bucket allows them to invest in other parts of their their company. And certainly they were starting to do that anyway with uh, you know, some of the regulatory relief we've had in the last couple of years, some of the tax law changes. And, and so I think the lower fuel prices is just an added uh, benefit to our customers to continue to make investment and grow. And I think that'll bode well for us throughout 2019. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing about those low gas prices, people forget this, but remember in 2010, 2011, when gas prices just seemed to crater right at the kind of the depth of that recession, that long slog of a recession, and those gas prices cratered, and it, it essentially amounted to a tax cut for millions of middle to lower income Americans. And and one thing that you guys get that a lot of people don't understand is when the gas prices drop, it means the cost of milk and eggs drop and all the other necessities you need because it doesn't cost as much to ship the necessities. So not only are you saving money at the gas pump, but you're also seeing prices begin to slowly drop as well, further driving the consumer economy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so – Here we are in 2019, and one of the problems of having good times in the trucking industry is that there aren't enough people to share in those good times because you end up having – it becomes harder to fill uh, the seats uh, of those trucks with qualified, experienced drivers. Do you continue to see in 2019 – that sort of um, continuing um, difficulty in getting enough people behind the road to get goods and services there – I do. I mean, that you know, where we are at uh, essentially almost record low uh, employment rates out there. There's a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, I think that the driving world is still a great world to be in. It is a great place if you, you find the right place to work, find your right niche as an owner operator, and you can really make you know really good quality money, have a good quality of life, and and you know care for your family and and put things away for retirement and otherwise. But certainly, the rest of the economy is doing well. And you know, I was kind of surprised when the jobs report came out here recently and I think there was over 40,000 additional construction jobs created in December uh, and that's very unusual it's not a normal time of year for construction jobs to increase so also know that there's a lot of other jobs available out there that uh, people that uh, may want to be a driver um, have opportunities to be a lot of different things right now so I do see it continuing to be a challenge and you know again the good thing I think as an, as an industry is that we have made progress on improving the overall quality of life 
for a driver in the last you know, 12 to 15 months. It was much needed improvement. And you know, that on top of, again, with the increasing pay, um, I think is important to attract and retain uh, individuals to our industry. So, you know, and you saw this over, over last year. I mean, you know, you walked in from 2017. You, you made a, a really good point that this heat up really kind of starts at the end of 2016 and then kicks into high gear 217. And we've been kind of on that on that wave since then. So it's given you kind of an up-close look. What have you learned over the last year in terms of recruiting and, uh, and retaining uh, drivers to keep them behind the wheel, not only in the industry in general, but at your company as well? What lessons did you kind of glean from 2018 that um, you're going to carry forward with you uh, into the next year? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the key things is, you know, pay is very important, but it's not only about pay. It's we have to continue and improve that overall quality of life uh, for our drivers out there. And so that's something we really, really have focused on in the last uh, 18 months or so. And, you know, one of those first things is we, we talked about before is, you know, removing that frustration, removing that downtime from the drivers, shippers, receivers, et cetera. But then it's also working with our drivers and saying, what, what else do you need? What else is frustrating? frustrating to you out there. So our, our, much of what we try to do in 2018 is say, hey, let's take what we know are driver frustrations and remove, <laughs> remove them from out there. And, and sometimes it's simple things. You know, certainly we always could do better at communication. So we did some things to really try to increase that. Um, we try to better plan uh, not only what the driver is going to be doing today, but tomorrow and the next day to help them better plan their own time. Um, you know, we have drivers that certainly also are looking for um, different amounts of, of home time. So it's how do you change an operation and create jobs that better fit that individual driver's need? And, and again, so I, I think you know, 2018 was a really, really good time for companies to be able to do some of those things because uh, that is another area where we were able to go to some of our shippers and say, hey, you know, we have a, a group of drivers that really are looking for this type of driving job. We think you have some freight that could help fit that. If we could match this up with some other customers freight, will you work with us to do that? That may mean you need to ship in the morning versus the afternoon and otherwise. And, and most of them were really receptive to that. So it, it was really about looking at, you know, what frustrates a driver, removing those frustrations, and then what is the job that a driver is desiring and trying to, to make progress on both of those. And I think we made good progress, as I mentioned, in 2019. Uh, again, it'll be a little bit more of a normal year, but I think with our shippers having lived through the last uh, 18 to 24 months, they will be more willing to continue to work with us to continue to improve the driver's life. Yeah, and i uh, tell you what, Tim, um, we are going to take a quick break because we got to let people take care of us, take care of themselves, but we're going to be right back after this. I have Tim Ashoff here. He is the president and COO of Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. We'll be right back after Sydney takes us into these messages. Many of you already know who Tim Ashoff is. He's the president and COO of Creek Carrier and Chafe of Trucking. Uh, he joins us in the uh, final segment of our interview with him about the trends of 2018 and what it portends to 2019. You know, Tim, it, it is without, you know, the future has already happened. And in so many ways, what where we're headed tech-wise uh, in the industry is not... Um, is not slowing down. It's actually accelerating. We've seen equipment manufacturers moving towards electric-powered tractors. How close do you feel like we are to a widespread adoption of, uh, adoption of electric trucks? And if you have any time, and we're running out of it really quickly here, if you have any time, can you tell us about things on the horizon tech-wise that you might see that you think are going to have an impact? Sure. You know, I think uh, 
electric trucks are moving forward quickly. Um, certainly, everyone hears a lot about Tesla and others out there, but some of the you know, long-term OEMs like uh, Freightliner have been making progress a little bit quieter. And, and I, you know, Freightliner's actually been putting a lot of their electric trucks on the road over in, in Europe, and certainly in that uh, Class Seven and some of the smaller trucks are in, in the United States as well. I think we're going to start seeing by mid this year and into next year in some of the, um, I'll call it a, a closed loop or, or narrow environments, uh, more and more use of electric trucks. So whether it's in the in the ports or it's in local delivery or otherwise, um, they're really making progress uh, on those trucks. Some dedicated maybe out and back fleets, you'll start to see more and more uh, of electric trucks coming in. As far as you know, broader, widespread use. I think we still are a few years away from that. You know, one of the things I think people don't always understand is it's great to have electric trucks, but then you have to have the infrastructure to support. I was just, I was waiting for you to say trucks. that. I was waiting for you to say that because you know, I, I want to touch on it really quickly before earlier. The idea of the employment situation. Everybody wants this big infrastructure program as well for you know for roads, which we desperately need. Everybody agrees with that. But you and I both know that if you get that trillion dollar, that two trillion dollar, that three trillion dollar um, infrastructure package, that's actually going to put more pressure on the industry to get more people behind the wheel of trucks because a lot of the same people you're competing with them for jobs. Right, absolutely, and and so that that again will be this this positive as well as the pull uh, from a workforce as you just mentioned. But then, you know, then as we do that, and more and more people also are going to say, okay, well, let's go to some things that may be more efficient or environmental friendly in the electric arena. Then it's like, okay, well, then we need the power uh, to recharge those trucks because you're going to also need to recharge them fairly quickly in order for them to be really efficient. To, you can't have a truck that has to sit there for twelve plus hours a day to recharge. So that piece of infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure, is also going to be needed, which there's another job creator. Those are specialized jobs, but certainly uh, and more and more that will be needed. And, you know, we looked at it with a couple of our customers saying, hey, if we wanted to run some electric trucks out of your facility, even on a dedicated basis, what would that take? And, you know, bringing the power that would be necessary to do that to the facility and and some in some areas what that takes with the electrical company, you could be 12, 18, 24 months out and just getting the power. So uh, there's uh, certainly the manufacturers have made great progress in the trucks themselves, the batteries, their uh, ability to haul heavy loads and sustain that for longer periods of time at road speed. Uh, but there's a lot of things that have to come together, I think, before this still becomes widespread. Uh, but I think one day it will. You know, it's interesting, too, because a number of uh, a number of smaller cities have kind of made a commitment to, you know, uh, electrifying and automating their towns. Uh, but what a lot of people who want to try and do this don't understand, and like I said, I've heard you know smarter things from you than some of these mayors of some of these towns. There was a mayor recently, the Ford Motor Company was looking to do a whole series of automated things with inside the city and the county area, and he said, well, we don't need that much infrastructure improvement here. We're just going to let them have the roads. And literally the Ford Motor Company went, you're going to what? You know, and people don't understand that in order to have this sort of, you know, be before we even get to automated, the idea of electric, in order to do any of that, the kind of works progress stuff you're going to have to do in regards to rebuilding the infrastructure of the country is is immense and vast. I mean, this is a big Absolutely. job. And and even on some of those automated, it's a lot. It's often not just the vehicle itself that's automated. It's the traffic signals that then uh, communicate with the vehicles. Well, you need something then that is communicating with those traffic signals. So just even here in, in 
Lincoln, Nebraska, Midside City in the middle of the U.S. You know, they've been updating the whole inner city fiber optic network because not because necessarily, uh, I mean, one of the core is, is obviously because of the business needs, but then it's the infrastructure needs. Hey, if we need to be connecting all our traffic lights uh, to communicate quickly, we're going to need more communication uh, lines and, and certainly those that can handle high-speed communications as part of infrastructure or other also. There's a lot of things that go into becoming part of a, an automated society. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's just always kind of interesting to me that people either are pushing the panic button or saying the future is now, and you're like, well, the future isn't a large appropriations bill. That's where the future actually is. Um, Tim, we only have just a few moments left here, and I really appreciate your time and your insights and your thoughts. Are there any smaller technologies that people should be looking out for that might actually help revolutionize the industry that are either just starting to arrive or are on the discussion board um, that you want to touch on really quickly? Well, I think one of the things that get overlooked in this discussion of automation, and then, and I guess you know, we can certainly talk about automated trucks. Is um, we're a ways away from the automated trucks, but the but the pieces of technology that are going into those automated trucks that are now becoming standard just in the uh, everyday truck, I'll call it, versus the automated truck, is really moving quite quickly. Um, you know, some of the uh, obviously we've had forward-looking radar for quite some time now, and helping us uh, avoid rear-end collisions and those types of things, adaptive cruise control. You know, predictive cruise control is out there now. We're, um, you know, certainly in the trucks that have the automated transmissions where um, the truck knows exactly where it is or that they, uh, based on GPS and it knows the train that's coming and it's, it's cruise control is shifting, getting the right RPMs going up into that incline. You know, some of the things that you may not even think about or see that are just naturally happening technology-wise in a truck, uh, you know, are, are coming. And a lot of that's being driven because, well, if you want an automated truck, that's that's what you need. So pieces of that research and development going into the automated truck are being implemented today in our in our trucks. Um, you know, lane control, um, lane assist, uh, those types of things. Certainly, roll stability has been out for a while, but we continue to see pieces of of what one day will maybe that fully automated truck coming into our trucks today. Uh, so it really comes in on a smaller scale, and which in some ways I think is good because then that helps a driver adapt to that new technology one piece at a time versus uh, you know maybe a, a huge change in their in how they how they work with their equipment to stay safe on the road. Tim, I, you're not going to believe it. We are absolutely out of time. I really appreciate it. Tim Ashoff, of course, is the president and CEO of Creek Carrier and Shape for Trucking. He joins us here on the Dave Nemo Show on Friday. Thank you so much for your insights and your thoughts about where trucking's been and where it is headed. Great to be with you. Have a great weekend.